Good morning. It's great to see all your lovely faces doing swell. I can see it. I see it in your faces. Um, excited, excited about the uh, next Sunday. The Come Together Sunday is going to be super fun. Uh, just having time to connect as a community, you know, share life together um, on a Sunday morning, which is great. We're all here, uh, and then getting to worship still and, and hear the word and discuss, it's going to be great. And then to end that with uh, reaching out and caring for others in our community, what a great day. So looking forward to that. That's going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to have a lot of fun together. Um, a few years ago, I'd say probably, it's probably 10 years ago, I had recently come on staff at a church in Denver, and, uh, and they provided um, cell phones to their employees. So they, they helped pay for their phones and things of that nature. And so I had this new phone. I was really excited about that. And one day I was, like, getting in my car, and I, like, you know, put it on top of my car or something, and, you know, the story, right? Falls off, gets destroyed, and I'm like, oh, brand new phone, this is terrible, I feel terrible, and I now have to tell the executive pastor, like, hey, you know, I destroyed the phone that you gave me, you know, the brand new one? Yeah, I destroyed that. So I just felt foolish, like, you know, like an idiot. And so I just really got on myself, and so finally I, I met with the pastor, and I just lied. I flat out, to be honest with you, I just flat out lied. I said, uh, I was like, yeah, my phone got destroyed. And he's like, what happened? I was like, you know, kids, you know. <laughs> I threw my kids under the bus. You know, they, they, I like, and I just made up something really quick. I didn't want to lie too much, you know, so I just made a real quick lie. And just, and he's like, oh, no worries, you know, we'll get it replaced. It's not a big deal. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool, you know. After that, I felt terrible. I mean, I mean, just horrible. I had this huge just weight of guilt. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I lied. That's so stupid. So I felt even worse than I was feeling before I destroyed, when I destroyed the phone. And so I'm like, this is terrible. So I, I tried to forget about it. It didn't work. And so a few weeks go by and I'm just miserable. And, and Katie will tell you, she knows this story. I was just absolutely miserable. Couldn't live with myself, you know. And so I'm like, I have to tell him. I have to come clean and tell the truth, you know. So we ha we're having a staff event. It's like a Christmas party or something. And, and I'm like, I'm going to tell him at the event. I'm going to do it. And so I see him. I pull him aside. I'm like, hey, I have something to tell you, you know. And I just I felt horrible. I'm like, you know, I just, I can't believe it. It's, but I... I lied to you. He's like, oh, what? And he was like, you know, really, then he really had, I had his attention. And I was like, well, you know, when I met with you and talked about the phone, it got destroyed. My kids didn't destroy it. I, I actually was the one that fell off the car and it broke. And gosh, I feel like an idiot. I'm, I'm so sorry that I lied to you about that and everything else. And then his response was, oh, it's not a big deal, bro. Don't worry about it. Like, we'll, we'll still take care of it. It's like it happens, you know. I'm like, oh, well, wow, <laughs> thank you, you know. And I mean, the feeling of relief, just, I mean, overwhelming, just sense of like freedom and just light. I mean, like this huge weight I'd been carrying was just gone. His response was so just gracious and like, oh, it's all right, man. You know, it's, 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 all, it's all good. And, uh, and I just remember that feeling was just, it was like one of the best feelings I'd ever had, 
was the relief from the weight of condemnation, of guilt, of shame. And that's what Jesus provides us. Every day of our life, his mercy is new, the Bible says, every morning. And every time we come to Jesus, he responds, even in our darkest moments, even with the things that we've done, the mistakes that we've made that have, we have carried a heaviness and a weight of guilt for maybe even years. When we come to Jesus, we experience this unexpected response of mercy and goodness and grace. And that incites in us this gratitude like no other. Talk about giving thanks. There's something that happens when we've been forgiven. So powerful. When we are guilty and then we're shown mercy. That's the source of an incredible gratitude. And that's Jesus. So the title of my message today is Clean. Clean. Let's pray over the word, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, God, that you lead us into all truth. That's what the spirit of truth does. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, this morning, will you guide us into all truth? Lord, and may we receive your truth in our hearts and may it bear fruit in our lives. Lord, I just pray that anything that comes forth from my mouth today that it's, that's of me, I pray that it will fall to the ground and come to nothing, Lord, but your words, Lord, will remain and bear fruit in our lives, lasting fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Well, last week we kicked off a new series called Lift Up Your Eyes, and the idea of this short three-week series is... Is, is focusing on how to live a life of gratitude, how to cling to gratitude to where we can always have something to give thanks for. And so we talked about how there are truths of God's kingdom and truths of God that transcend our experience in the condition, in the brokenness of our world and even our own lives. To where we can be in the midst of grief, in the midst of pain, of hardship, of loss, in the midst of a broken world, in the midst of chaos, and in the midst we can give thanks. In the midst, we can have gratitude that overwhelms our hearts and then brings with it a peace that surpasses understanding, that doesn't make sense if you look at the condition of our world and even of our own lives or the losses that we have endured or the grief that we're experiencing. Yet somehow we have gratitude, and that's because there are truths that transcend what we experience. And so last week, we talked about the first of those truths being the goodness of God. That God is indeed good. We give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his love endures forever. And then tell the testimony, the stories of God's love. And we learn from each other the stories of God's goodness and and we talked about that and how we give thanks because God satisfies and God liberates 
and God heals and God rescues and saves. And that is true of the Lord. And no matter what's going on in our lives, no matter what we're experiencing, we can give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Amen? So today I want to dive into the next truth that transcends life and experience, something that we can always give thanks for, and that is that God is merciful, that God has mercy on us. Last week we talked about how when we're viewing life through the lens of gratitude, we look at the past and we have gratitude for what God has done, and then we also have a hope for the future of what God is going to do. And so we have, we're, it's like, and then we have the stories of each other, brothers and sisters in Christ around us. And so everywhere we look, we can have gratitude and we can give thanks behind us, before us, and around us. And the same is true for the mercy of God. We see his mercy behind us, before us, and around us. And it is good. And there is nothing greater. There is nothing more powerful than the experience of mercy and forgiveness and grace. And we can experience that consistently in the presence of Jesus because of his sacrifice for us. So we're going to camp out in Psalms 51 today. So last week we we hung out in Psalms 107. Today we're going to we're going to hang out in Psalms 51. It's a very popular psalm. Uh, many of you probably could quote it. But we always have something to give thanks for because of God's mercy. Psalms 51, verse 1 and 2 says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. So we see David here crying out to God for his mercy, but he's appealing to his nature. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions and wash me clean. And so have mercy on me. So what is mercy? What, what is the definition? When we talk about God is merciful, what are we talking about? So mercy, the word mercy in the Greek uh, is, or actually, sorry, in the Hebrew is henin. It's H-N-N, like is how they spell it in English, which is, it's not hmm, it's henin. Uh, favor, or to have, implore, show, or be shown compassion. The Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary says, God's chief disposition towards sinful man is mercy, spawned by his love which exerts his power to bring sinful man back to himself. Mercy from God is never deserved and is always generated by his character and not man's. Isn't that so good? Thank God for that. The word hilaskome, to be merciful or to be propitious, expresses God's mercy that makes atonement for undeserving man's sin. Salvation is God's merciful act of withholding his wrath and eternal punishment, as well as his grace in granting forgiveness and eternal life. So, in a nutshell, mercy 
is getting what we don't deserve. Right? It's God giving out what we do not deserve because of his nature, his love, his compassion, because of who he is. Because according to scripture, the wages of sin is what? Death. The payment is sin. The punishment of sin in Romans 10, 10, 3.10. Uh, there's none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all guilty, right? We know that's true. Just like I was guilty when I was lying about my kids destroying my phone when I destroyed it, right? We're guilty, but God has mercy. Look at what David says in Psalms 51, 3 through 5. He says, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. He's saying, you have every right. I'm guilty. I am guilty of sin. But he's pleading to God's nature and character to forgive. David admits his guilt. He confesses his sin to the Lord. He admits that God would be right in judging him guilty. But yet, God shows mercy. The payment of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. God has mercy on us. He gives us what we don't deserve, eternal life, forgiveness. In the same way grace is defined as unmerited favor, mercy also is unmerited. We we don't earn it. God doesn't show us mercy because we have done something. He shows us mercy because he is full of steadfast love. It's not because we've done something, because he is full of steadfast love. Exodus 34 um, is the story of, of Moses and his encounter with God. Moses cries out to God. He's saying, God, I want to see your glory, right? Show me your glory. And Moses had this incredible intimate relationship with the Lord. And God's like, okay, I'm going to show you my glory. Moses is like, yes. And so, I don't know if he said that, but I'm sure he was very excited. Um, so God shows up on Mount Sinai, and there's this amazing thing. But when he shows up, there's this proclamation that God gives describing himself. God describes himself, and it's like an introduction. It's like, and now, the one, the only, the magician that comes from, you know, whatever. You know what I mean? It's like the big introduction to description, right? So God's giving an introduction of himself, and look at what it says in Exodus 34 when God's describing himself, verse 6 and 7, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. Look at how much description is about mercy, grace, compassion, tenderness. And yet he says, but I also am a just God. I'm not going to leave the guilty unpunished. But this is who I am. Compassion, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, kindness, truth. Forgives iniquity, transgression, sin. Mercy is an action that springs from the nature of God. God is love, and therefore God shows mercy. Does that make sense? He is love, so therefore he shows mercy. So, 
what does God give us that we don't deserve? Right? He shows mercy on us. Well, what does that look like? What is it that he's giving us that we don't deserve? What are the fruits of God's mercy? All the amazing things we have to give thanks for according to his mercy. So I want to talk about the fruit of God's mercy. Number one, the thing that God gives us that we don't deserve, God forgives and forgets our sins. God forgives and forgets our sins. Verse 9 of 51 says, Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. David cries out for God to remove his sin from him. He says, cleanse me. Wash me from my iniquities. Hide it. (laughs) Hide it from yourself. And then you see this prophecy in Jeremiah. Jeremiah is prophesying about the new covenant that Jesus came to bring. And he says, as a description of this new covenant, Jeremiah 31, 34, he says, for I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. Forget, not just forgive. I will forgive and I will remember their sins no more. Psalms 103 verse 11 through 14 says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgression from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. God has compassion. Now on those who fear him, when we come to him, he meets us with mercy and grace. Now we have to come to him, but he meets us with this incredible mercy He forgives our sins and remembers them no more, removes them as far as the east is from the west. That's really far. You know, there's the story of the woman in Luke 7 uh, who comes and washes Jesus' feet when he's meeting with one of the Pharisees, Simon. And she's a notorious sinner, I guess. Uh, Many scholars believe she was a prostitute. Um... And she, he's having a meal with Simon. She comes in. She starts washing his feet and crying and washing his feet with her hair and her tears. And the Pharisee is like, oh, my gosh, look at this woman. This, if Jesus was a prophet, he'd know who this woman is. And she's, like, messed up and need to get her out of here. And Jesus confronts Simon on that. But one of the things that Jesus says about the woman, he says, Her sins, which are many, are forgiven. He says, he who's been forgiven much, loves much. And how many of you guys know someone in your life who had maybe a really rough past or, you know, was addicted to drugs or, you know, whatever it was, just a hard, hard past in sin, wickedness, whatever it was, and God set them free, right? And he he turned their life around. And you hear them talk about Jesus. There is something in them that just overwhelms them, even emotionally. And I know this because part of my dad's testimony 
is that. Um, and I see it in him all the time. Man, when they worship, it's just everything they are because they've been forgiven much. They're aware of all that they've been forgiven. They know all that they have done, and there's something in them. There's a gratitude that has overwhelmed them. But here's what's amazing. Here's the truth. We've all been forgiven much. All of us. We all have reason to cry out to God in worship and in honor and surrender of our lives to him because of all that he's forgiven, all that he's washed away, all that he's thrown into the sea of forgetfulness, all, all that he's removed the record of, right? Jesus doesn't keep the record. He doesn't keep the record of all the wrongs we've done and brings it up when we make a mistake. Hey, look at this again. Now we do that, <laughs> but Jesus doesn't. The Bible says that he took that list of accusations that the enemy has. The enemy does that. So we have to be careful who we're imitating. The enemy pulls up the record and he accuses because he wants to weigh us down with shame and guilt because he knows if we are, then we'll have a recurring cycle of sin because we'll look to have immediate gratification, right? We'll use a coping mechanism of some sort because of the weight of shame and guilt that we're carrying. So he accuses, but the Bible says Jesus took the list of accusations and nailed it to the cross. Disarmed the enemy. Took away his greatest weapon. Through Jesus. We've all been forgiven much, amen? He doesn't bring up our old sins. And the weight of our past mistakes doesn't weigh heavy on God's conscience. It doesn't weigh on his conscience. Because he's forgiven that. It's behind, It's not weighing on him. But that's not always true for us, right? God might have forgiven something and forgotten it and it's done. But we still choose to carry the weight of that shame or guilt with us. And that brings me to my next point. The other fruit of God's mercy. Number two, God purifies our hearts and minds. It's the mercy of God. He gives us what we don't deserve. He purifies our hearts and minds. Verse 7 to 51, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Isaiah 118 says, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. God makes us clean, that's true. But yet sometimes we continue to carry that weight. We continue to carry that guilt and that shame with us. And so God offers to cleanse our minds and our hearts from that and take away that weight. Uh, in Psalms 51 verse 10, David says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Deliver me, in verse 14, from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God my Savior. Jesus purifies our hearts. He purifies our minds. In Ezekiel it says that when we accept Christ, he removes the heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. And when we carry shame and guilt throughout our lives and, and we carry that condemnation, it hardens our hearts. 
It calluses our hearts and makes them cold and hard. But Jesus says, no, I'm going to free you from that. And I'm going to take out that cold, hard, dead, lifeless heart. And I'm going to give you a living, warm heart full of my spirit and my love. God purifies our hearts and our minds because of his grace. Hebrews 10 says this, verse 21, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Listen to this. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Because we have a merciful high priest, and we serve a God of mercy, we no longer have to carry the weight of condemnation and guilt and shame. Amen? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.1. Jesus said, if you confess your sins, I'm faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He cleanses our guilty conscience. So that weight of our sin is not weighing on God's mind. He's forgiven and he's washed our record clean. And so it doesn't have to weigh on ours. God will forgive and wash our minds clean so we can live freely and lightly and be conscious that we have been forgiven much and then in response, love much. Number three. Fruit of God's mercy is that God fills us with his spirit, something that we don't deserve. God fills us with his spirit because of his great grace. Verse 11, David cries out, he says, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. So he's crying out for the mercy of God, saying your mercy would be that you would stay near. That's mercy, you staying near to me, not abandoning me or casting me out. Well, God did one better than that. Not only does he say, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, that when we make mistakes, he doesn't abandon us. In fact, what he does is he draws us back to himself. The heart of God is, when we make mistakes, I want you to run to me, not from me. Run to me. When you make mistakes, run to me. Come to the throne of grace, right? Hebrews 4. 14 through 16, we have a high priest who sympathizes with our weakness because we're tempted in every way that we are yet without sin. So therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace to find help in our time of need. Run to God for help because he wants to help. He is a refuge, a strong tower, a fortress. This is how God describes himself. That when we're in trouble, when we make mistakes, when we do stupid stuff, he says, come to me. Because I'm a heavenly father who loves you and I'm near to you. He is present and his spirit is in us. God makes his home in our hearts through faith, Ephesians 3. So instead of us feeling loneliness because of our mistakes, failures, and disappointments, God affirms that he makes his home in our hearts. He's close to us and near to us. He doesn't abandon us. Just like Jesus with the adulterous woman, he draws near to her in her brokenness and her shame and says, neither do I condemn you. Now, go and sin no more. 
Like, stop sinning. Don't keep doing it. But here's the thing. Sometimes we're like, well, God, I want to stop, but I, I, I feel like I can't. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm having a hard time. That leads me to the last fruit of the mercy of God. Number four, God strengthens us in our weakness. Something we don't deserve. God strengthens us in our weakness. So when we have brokenness and we come to the throne of God and we run to God and confess our sin to him and we're broken before God, he meets us and says, I'll strengthen you. I'm gonna equip you and give you the ability and the power to live a life of holiness. See, it's not greasy grace. God forgives and then empowers us to live a life without sin to live a life in righteousness and holiness that aligns with our character. You were darkness, you are light, live as children of light. And God empowers us. Verse 12, David said, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Basically, help me. Help me not do this again. Help me not to sin against you. I don't want to do this. Give me a willing spirit to sustain me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. God grants us the mercy and the gift of restoring our joy. Times of refreshing that come in the presence of the Lord. Think about it. Worship, right? How many guys have experienced the love of God when you've worshipped? Okay, everyone in here, right? Now, worship is not about us, right? It's about him. Worship is about lifting up Jesus. Yet, when we're lifting him up, the Holy Spirit sheds his love abroad in our hearts. That's mercy. We don't deserve that. He deserves our worship. Yet, when we worship him, he visits us with his mercy. And he restores the joy of our salvation. I don't know about you, but when I experience the presence of God, that restores in me the joy of my salvation. It refreshes me. I'm like, yes, yes, you're it. You're the, you're the thing. You're life. You're, you're everything. And it's a, it's a new and it's a fresh. God's mercy pouring out his love when we're worshiping him. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 is literally my life verse. It says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so the Christ's power may rest on me. When we are weak, then we are strong. When we admit our weakness and we come to God and say, God, I can't, but you can, then boom, suddenly the power of God and the strength of God and the grace of God is released within us and we're able to live out the life that God has called us to live because we've said, I can't do it, but I know you can, so I'm going to trust and surrender completely to you and you're going to do it through me. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, right? In the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Jesus is the one who empowers us and gives us the ability to live out the life that he's called us to and the standards to which he has called us to. It's by the grace of God. And the sooner we come to the realization that we can't do it without Jesus, 
that apart from him, we can do nothing, the better our lives will be. The sooner we lean on him and cling to him and rely entirely upon him, the better our lives will be. God's mercy is so great that he even gives us the ability and strength we need to remain faithful and obedient. Wow. That's amazing. So then the last question then is, how do we respond to this incredible mercy? Well, obviously the answer is give thanks. <laughs> but look at this. Look at what David says at the end of Psalms 51. He says, in my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You don't take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. Man, if it was a sacrifice that God was looking for, no, we, if, when we try to pay God back for his mercy, it's not going to work. You can't. can't pay him back. It's too big of a debt. So then what do we do? A broken and contrite heart. We fall to our knees and we surrender. Say, yep, God, I can't do it. You're everything. Here it is. I'm just giving everything to you. I've come to the end of myself. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. In the parable of the two people who came into the temple to pray, the Pharisee, right? Bragging about, oh, Lord, thank you that I am not like this sinner here. But then the sinner who wouldn't lift up his eyes to heaven but's far, from the, far in the back and beats his chest and says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. He was the one who walked away justified. Leaned on him. That's what God is looking for, a broken and contrite heart. So what's our response? Worship, brokenness, and humility. It's coming to the end of ourselves, humbling ourselves consistently and saying, God, I am not able, but you are able. I'm leaning on you. I'm running to you. I'm clinging to you entirely. You alone are my life. You are alone in my strength. It's only by your grace am I able to follow you. Psalms 52, 10 and 11, but I like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God, I trust in God's mercy forever and ever. I will thank you forever for what you have done. I will put my hope in your name, for it is good in the presence of those devoted to you. Psalms 136.23, the Lord remembered us in our low estate, for his mercy endures forever. I will thank you forever for what you've done. I will thank you forever. And my hope will be entirely in you and in your name. You've proven your goodness. I will give thanks. No matter what is going on in my life, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what the condition of the world, I have a reason to give thanks because you are merciful. Because you've forgiven me. You've washed away all my sin. You've cleansed the record. Because 
purified my heart and my mind. You've given me your spirit. You've strengthened me in my weakness. So I want to close with this. Just like last week, we can look behind us. Why don't we take a moment and look behind us at the mercy of God in our life? Look at his mercy. Look behind you at all the sins that he's forgiven. The record that he's canceled. Look behind at the ways he's purified our hearts and our minds, the way he's freed us from the weight of shame and guilt and condemnation. Look behind at the way his spirit has been near to us in our hardship, in our grief, all the times where we felt God's nearness in the dark times of our life. Look behind at the way he strengthened us in our weakness and give thanks. And then let's look ahead at the hope before us. That one day, all of our sins They're forgiven and they're forgotten. We're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to stand before the judgment seat of God. And we have an advocate, Jesus, who's going to stand in our place and say, my blood covers their sin and they are forgiven. They are my son. They are my daughter. They are washed clean. I've declared them to be righteous and blameless and holy before me in love because of what I have done. I've taken the the penalty of their sin upon myself, and they have been atoned for. We have that to look forward to. Our hearts and our minds completely pure. No shame, no weight. We live in the city of God where God literally dwells with his people, near to him, living in his glory. And our bodies aren't weak anymore. We have a new body and it's been redeemed. That is the hope of our future. And everywhere in between, from now until that day, we know that we'll have more moments of experiencing his forgiveness. His mercy will be new every morning. We'll run to the throne of grace and find help yet again. We know it will happen, right? He'll be near to us when hard times come. And he'll strengthen us when we're weak. Let's give thanks. Amen. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to sing another song of worship. And uh, and we're going to give thanks. We're going to look behind, look ahead, look around, and share again. Share your stories in the mercy of God. And we need to hear from each other. Let's take take a moment. Let's look behind. Let's look ahead. Let's look around. And let's respond in worship. Amen. Everybody just stand to your feet. Let's give God thanks.
response can we give but a broken and contrite heart you're worthy of not just our worship but our lives father so lord help us to remember to give thanks lord wake us up every morning may the cross of jesus be before us your mercy surrounding us, your goodness. May we wake up to gratitude every morning. God, we thank you that you are good and your mercy endures forever. We love you, Jesus. We bless you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I want to encourage you as well um, that one of the greatest ways think we can give thanks for God's mercy is to tell other people about it. Let the world know that God is a God of mercy. John 3.16, we all know that verse, John 3.17, just as good. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So let's tell the world that's our vision right one family united with God because of his mercy pointing people to Jesus let's point them to his mercy and I want to see people encounter the goodness and the grace of God amen amen awesome well next Sunday is a great Sunday please everyone be here uh, we love to have everyone here to come together to share that moment to give thanks even more and then also to uh, to serve our community and those in need. So we love you guys so much. We'll see you next week.